Well, good morning and welcome again to the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. Today we will begin to take a look at the book of Acts. So if you are in a position where you can do so, please open your Bibles up there to Acts chapter 1. You will find the book of Acts in the New Testament um, just after the Gospel of John and right before the epistle of Romans. So we're looking for Acts chapter 1. And let's go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. It says, The the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So let's pause right there and briefly talk about who it is that had originally written this letter, to whom it was addressed, and his purpose for writing it. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 1, and if you'd like, you can go ahead and mark this page and turn there, uh, but in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we see that Luke addresses his writing of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, to the very same person, a man named Theophilus. It is interesting to me to know that the name Theophilus means friend of God or lover of God. Now, the reason that I find that interesting is that it is indeed a characteristic of a person today that reads the Word of God, that they are a person that loves God. A person that seeks God is a person that loves God. And the reading of and the obedience to the Word of God is also a strong characteristic of a born-again child of God. And as a result of our love for God, we also should love to abide in, and therefore, as I've mentioned, be obedient to the Word of God. This is what a lover of God or a friend of God, uh, again, this is a characteristic of the born-again person. So as Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, as well in the book of Acts, addresses his writings to Theophilus, a lover of God, we too today, as we sit here on the earth, And as we study the Word of God, we can be assured that as lovers of God ourselves, that these words that we read are written to us as well, right? It is okay to take these words personally that we read in the pages of the Bible, and we should. Now let me read to you from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1, where it says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. So what Luke is saying here in these first two verses is that he's not the only one that had sat down to take the time to write down all that Jesus had said and done, or as much of it as they could, right? Right. 
there were indeed others that did the same thing. And Luke also states there in verse 2 that just as the other writers had, he had gotten his information from those that were firsthand witnesses to the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And those witnesses became ministers of the word. It is a blessing for us today that we still have in our possession those words that were preached in the time and the time following Jesus when he was here on the earth. We have them written down for us in the pages of the Bible. And Luke goes on to say in verse 3 that since others were writing about all that Jesus had done, it seemed good to me also, he says, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. So we really don't know much about Theophilus. And as a matter of fact, it is a much debated topic amongst Bible scholars and theologians as to whether Theophilus was a person or simply an honorary title for a reader of the letter who was a friend of God, as the name indicates. But again, we know that we are to take the word of God personally. But Luke continues in verse 4 and tells us the reason why he began to write about all the things that Christ and his ministers did. He says that the reason for this is that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, here is a foundation, Luke is saying, for you to build your life upon. Sound doctrine. That's why he's writing this. It's something that is certain. That is, we are to build our lives upon all the things that Jesus and his ministers instructed or taught. And we never need to deviate from what is written. The foundation of our lives will be rock solid if we build our lives upon the written word of God. Jesus himself told us that, didn't he? If you'll just turn a few pages or so up here to uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, you'll see starting down in verse 46, where Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? So you see Jesus and his apostles and uh, ministers of the gospel all place an emphasis on being doers, not just hearers of the instructions of God, which again, we have written down for us in the pages of our Bible. Being a doer of the works is also a very strong characteristic of a true follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, so again, um, you know, Luke is saying, hey, I'm writing this down so you can know for certain, right? Here's a, here's a firm foundation of what Jesus did, what he was all about, right? Whoever, if you look at verse uh, 47, who, Jesus goes on to say, whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a, a man building a house who dug a deep 
or dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the, the, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So as a disciple of the Lord, there is always an emphasis on how we should live our lives. We truly love God, right? In other words, we are a Theophilus ourselves when we keep, that is, we are obedient to, to live out what is instructed in the Word of God. We have a firm foundation for our lives. And of course, as Jesus points out here, the opposite is true as well. If we do not keep and we are not obedient to His Word, then there will be great ruin in store for that person. But So I wanted to establish that with you that this is who a Theophilus is. Whether he was a real person, again, it's debated, or whether it was an honorary title. The fact of the matter is, though, is that a person that is a lover of God wants to know the Word of God, wants to read what Luke wrote, what the Apostle Paul wrote, what Peter, James, and John wrote, what's written in the pages of the Bible, so that we can know for certain that we have this firm foundation that we can build our lives upon, right? So Luke, right, he's just in the gospel of Luke there. He was setting out to give this friend, this lover of God, instructions and details. And he's doing the same thing over here in the book of Acts. All the details of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And it goes on to say, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And then verse 3 of Acts chapter 1 says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So you see, Jesus had already spent the better part of three years walking on the earth with his disciples and showing them his power and authority over sickness, over sin, and ultimately over death. And then after his resurrection, he spent another 40 days with them, continuing to instruct them in things pertaining to the kingdom of God, over which, of course, he is the king. He is the Lord of all. And now they too were about to receive the power that they needed to go out and to preach the things concerning the kingdom of God as well. And in verse 4 it says, and being, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You say they, they had been staying in a room in Jerusalem. And he's, saying, he's telling them, don't, don't leave there. Stay there till you, till you wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven? The king, excuse me, the kingdom of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the disciples of Jesus there in verse 6 ask a question that has nothing to do with what Jesus wanted to do in their lives at this present time, right? As we will see in verse 9, Jesus was all set for takeoff, right? Ready to ascend back up into heaven from where he had come. And his focus at this moment here with the disciples was to prepare his disciples for the rest of their lives, which would be spent serving him and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And in order to do this, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. They couldn't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to show you something from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Go ahead and mark this page again and, and turn just one book um, to the Gospel of John, one book back to the left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then you have the book of Acts. John chapter 14, I want you to find. John chapter 14. And let's look down and start reading in verse 22. John 14, 22. It says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now, this is a great question here. The disciples of Jesus here, or this disciple, I should say, of Jesus here, is asking him, how is this going to be? How is it that we as your disciples are going to know your presence in our lives, but the rest of the world will not? And that's what we're seeing that is about to be fulfilled in the book of Acts, right? Jesus is telling them that they are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And by the presence of His Holy Spirit within them and upon them, He Himself will be with them. And notice in verse 23 here how Jesus answers this question. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, now, now I want you to really pay attention to the words we're reading here. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's how we know someone loves God. They're a keeper of the word, right? And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So 
Again, this is the person that is baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is the one who loves Jesus by keeping his word. It's not the one that just says, I believe in Jesus, as many people do say, right? But then they live their lives as an adulterer, a fornicator, a drunkard, an idolater, a covetous person, right? That's not the one that is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That person is not going to have the Lord manifest to them. The person today that may profess Christianity, but they still live in willful sin, is not going to know the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, right? That is why we see so many so-called Christians falling in various ways. Or we hear about this pastor or this person that has fallen. Or we find they had all this sin in their lives, right? But they were never filled with the Spirit. They were never led by the Spirit. Because if they were filled with, led by the Spirit, they would produce the fruit of the Spirit in their lives and they would live in righteousness and holiness. So many people can even, you know, I could, I could stand here and even teach the Word of God, but never go out and live it myself. And therefore, if I'm not living it myself, I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ within me and I'm yielding to the leading of the Spirit, right? Many people can get up and start great ministries and have great teachings and have great followings and all of that kind of stuff, but yet they're not filled with the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit, dying to themselves on a daily basis, crucifying their own flesh, taking up the cross and following after the Lord, striving, as we've talked about in previous teachings, Striving against sin. We have to fight the fight of faith. It's a fight to actually live it. Okay? To actually live and to keep the words of God. Like Jesus said, the one that keeps it is built upon a firm foundation. Luke is writing so that people will have a firm foundation. Who is he writing to? Theophilus. Who is Theophilus? The lover of God. The friend of God. Are you a lover of God? Today, are you a friend of God? If so, you're keeping the word of God in the way that you live your life, right? So Jesus continues answering this question of Judas, not Iscariot. In verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So Jesus, while answering this question, is reminding them that there is a time coming, which we're reading about now in the book of Acts this morning, when he's not going to be physically in their presence anymore. But they won't have to worry because he is going to make sure that by his Holy Spirit, he will be with them. And we will see that in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, In reality, it would be better called the acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the apostles and believers in Jesus. Um, Because it really shows the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the lives of the apostles and other believers in Jesus. But Jesus goes on in verse 26, But the Helper, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. So again, these guys are are going to now go out and to preach the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom. They're going to tell people to repent, to come out of this world and be not of this world, just as Jesus himself taught them. Then to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God. This is what the apostles will go on to teach, right? But the disciple of Jesus in that day and the disciples of Jesus today can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we are reading about here, was soon to give them that power, right? He's he's going to give them that power. So as we go back to Acts chapter 1 now, go ahead and flip back there. Verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So right there we see the end of the physical earthly ministry of Jesus here on this earth as as we now know it, as we now know the earth today, right? This was the end of it here when he ascended into heaven. It will now be up to his disciples to continue the work of the spreading of the gospel of the kingdom throughout the whole world. And they needed power to do this, right? And today this work still remains in the hands of present day disciples of Jesus to spread the gospel. Those that love him, those that are a Theophilus themselves, Right, Those that keep the commands and as a result are loved by the Father. Right, They will be the people that are spreading the Word of God, teaching the Word of God to others. Right, But as I've covered with you in recent teachings, the true disciple of Jesus is that one, the, the branch that remains in the vine as Jesus taught, attached to the vine, having the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them and through them, and it's evident in the way that they live their lives. It's easy to see. They are the ones living out the Word of God in their everyday lives. They're not the ones that are going out and living in willful sin without the power of the Spirit working in their everyday lives, right? These are people that are born again, walking in righteousness, keeping themselves unspotted from the world, and sharing with others the gospel of the kingdom. Right? This here in verse 9 is where responsibility was transferred from Jesus to his disciples, which now includes you and me if we are in the vine, filled with the Spirit, and producing fruit in our own lives. So the disciple here in this uh, the disciples, excuse me, here in this chapter have just seen Jesus ascend. Back into heaven and verse 10 says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So again, the disciples had just witnessed this ascension of Jesus. And now they hear that 
just like you've seen him go up, the day will come when he's going to come again. So this will become part of what they're going to preach as well, right? But until that day, they had work to do. And so do we as his modern day disciples. We need to be spreading the same gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Spirit. Come out of this world. We are now to do the things that He instructed us to do that we read about in the Word of God, the Holy Bible. There is a certain way that we have been instructed to live. And in verse 12 here, these disciples of Jesus will now do what He instructed them to do back in verse 4. It says here, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. So there is 11 disciples mentioned there. And verse 14 further tells us that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 that were in that room, right? And said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. So Peter is really specifying with great detail here um, the, the situation, the circumstances that they're, they're now faced with. Okay, He's saying this is the deal. This is what's happening. And this man, Judas Iscariot, Iscariot he, he was one of them. In other words, he was one of the disciples. He took part in the ministry. He works side by side with them. And even today, we know that there are those that are in the churches, in the pulpits, on the stages, you know, in the work of the kingdom. But they're really just wolves in sheep's clothing. They're really just hypocrites. But Peter is pointing out that All these things that had taken place concerning Jesus had to be. This is what the prophets predicted would happen in the Holy Scriptures. It was inevitable that Jesus would suffer and die. And in verse 16 there where Peter brings up uh, what David had to say about Judas, he's referring to Psalm 41.9 where it says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up a heel against me. And if you've never had someone that you've worked quote, closely with betray you, 
Believe me, it really is a kick in the gut. Someone lifts up their heel and kicks you in the gut when you don't expect it. Right? When people lie about you and friends of yours take sides with those that are, are doing the lying, the lying about you, it hurts. It cuts, right? But Peter, maybe for the first time, is realizing that what the prophets wrote about is all coming to fruition. And he says in verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So here Peter seems to be quoting from Psalm 69, 25 and Psalm 109, 8. Now, isn't it interesting here, though, that Peter had this wisdom to know these scriptures at this point in his life? Remember, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. Not, not up at this point where we're reading about right here. But how did Peter have this knowledge? Well, let me have you mark this page again and turn to the Gospel of Luke again. But this time I want you to find Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start reading down in verse 24. Uh, excuse me, verse 44. Um, so in these verses here, Jesus had already risen from the dead and has now presented himself to his disciples alive. And speaking of Jesus, verse 44 says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Okay, so there we see something that Jesus did. They comprehended the scripture. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Again, they weren't yet filled with the Holy Spirit, but Peter back in Acts chapter 1, he knew that the writings of David pertained to Jesus. Jesus opened the understanding of his disciples so that they would now understand the scriptures that they had in their possessions at that time. And that all these scriptures were written about him, about Jesus. You know, and today Jesus does the same work in the lives of those that are his disciples. When someone repents, turns from their sinful life and turns to Jesus, they now see things differently. They once were spiritually blind. They once walked in darkness, but now they see the light. They're not living that way anymore. Then verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do you see what Jesus wanted them to preach? He wanted them to preach repentance and remission of sins. That's what they were supposed to preach. That's what's supposed to be preached today. Repentance and remission of sins. 
You know, when we think of that word remission, we can associate it today with something like cancer, right? When, when cancer truly is in remission, the cancer is gone, right? It, it's not there anymore, or at least it's fading away, right? This is, the, this is the same for the person that has truly repented of sin. The sin, the sin doesn't have control over them anymore. The temptation is still there. But by yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit who indwells them or indwells us, we no longer remain slaves to sin, but rather we are slaves to righteousness. As I've talked about a lot in the past two teachings I've done as well, right? But this is where we see and understand how Peter knew what he knew when he was speaking back in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus says here that, Uh, Jerusalem is where the gospel will begin to be preached from. It was going to go forth from Jerusalem. Here they are all back in Acts chapter 1 in Jerusalem, waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can go out and preach the gospel. And you and me today, as we sit here, we are beneficiaries of the fact that the gospel has gone out to all the nations. That is to every ethnic group of people, not just to the Jews. It went out into all the world. And as we turn back now to the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 1, Peter continues speaking down in verse 21 and says, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So Matthias became number 12. So Peter decided that it was necessary based on the scripture to bring it before the Lord in prayer to fill the 12th position of an apostle that was left vacant by Judas Iscariot. Peter didn't choose him. He left it up to the Lord to choose him. And there is much shade thrown on this decision of Peter's by many Bible scholars today, but Peter did what he thought was right here based on what he knew of the Scriptures. And the question that I'll leave you all with today is, what about you? Like, how can we make this practical, what we're reading about here? What about you? What about me, right? Are we doing all that we should be doing to be living in accordance with the scriptures? Are we being obedient to it? The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be obedient to all that Jesus said and done. Right? Do you find yourself today powerless? That is, do you not know the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life today? Maybe it's a good time again to examine yourself Do you think that you are in the faith, but your life seems to be fruitless? That is the fruit of the Spirit. 
is not evident within you? Do you feel lost inside? Fearful, no, no direction, no purpose? Have you been letting sin reign in your mortal body? Have you been paying more attention to the world and the news and your social media than you pay attention to the Word of God, the Spirit of the Lord within your life? There'd be a good reason why you'd feel empty and fruitless and depressed in all that this world wants to give you, right? It's a good day to repent. To once and for all commit to being a true disciple of Jesus. One that is rooted and grounded in sound doctrine. The doctrine of the word that says I'm going to do what the word of God says. I'm not just going to hear it. I'm actually going to do it. I'm actually going to live it out. It might mean you lose friends. It might mean you lose relationships in your life. It might put you on a whole new course, a different direction. Because everyone who chooses to live righteously, everyone who chooses to live soberly, everyone chooses, who chooses to live holy will suffer persecution. There will be loss because this world's not going to love you, right? But the thing is, is the Lord doesn't want you to feel lost and alone. He wants to be within you. He wants to be with you. He wants to come upon you by the power of His Holy Spirit, right? And if this is lacking in your life, right, you're the only one to blame. I hate to say it, but you could point fingers at everything else around you, but the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the power of the Spirit within, within you will change you. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. Right? Do, do you really think that you can have the Spirit of the Lord leading you while you remain in willful sin? You cannot. But what has your way gotten you in life thus far? Right? If you're hearing this today, and I should say, if you are hearing this with your heart today and, and you know that the Lord is speaking to you, then make today the day that you repent and the day that you surrender to him. Fall on your knees today and call out to him for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive those that are truly repentant. That is those that are truly sorrowful for the life that they've lived without the power of His Holy Spirit. There's nothing complex about this, right? You just need to be willing to obey His commands. And you can't obey the commands of Jesus without knowing them. So begin today to read through the Bible. Read through the New Testament especially. He will open your understanding, especially if you have repented and been born of His Spirit. And if you need more teachings like this, we have plenty of them out there that you can find on our website, which is on the page here. And be sure to join us next time as we continue to study through God's Word. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. We'll stop here for today. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. It is a living word.
It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing, Lord. It's, it cuts us, Lord. It, it just changes us, Lord. That's the power of your word by the power of your spirit at work within us, Lord. And I pray that today would be a new day for many people that will hear this teaching, God. And whether they're hearing this teaching or not, or your spirit's just working in the lives of people, Lord, I pray that people will come unto you, Jesus. Find rest for their souls. Give up on their own way of life, their own way of living. And follow after you, Jesus. And repent. And build their lives upon that firm foundation. And become a Theophilus themselves, Lord. A lover of God. A friend of God. You're calling people to come out of this world. And to come unto you, Jesus. And I pray that people will hear that call in this world today. So thank you again for this time in your word, Lord. I pray your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless. Thanks again for watching, for listening. If you have any questions, reach out to us. Go to our website, aloveoutreach.com. Fill out the contact form. We'll answer any questions or help you out in any way. We can by giving you direction and guidance in the Word of God. But uh, we'll see you next time.